0: This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. What I want to talk to you today about is the parable of the talents found in Matthew 25. It is one of my favorite... um, My favorite... Uh, parables in the Bible. It's something that's always just been in my heart, something that God has always used to speak to me about. Um, but what I want to do first is look at the context of where this parable actually was placed. If you have read Matthew 24 at any time, you know that it's talking about actually the end times, the end of the world when we're coming to the very end. And then it goes right into chapter 25, where Jesus shares three different parables. The first one is the parable of the, vir- the 10 virgins that talk about how we as people are to be always prepared for him to prepare to serve him to attend to him and then the second one that we're going to talk about today is the parable of the talents and as soon as he's finished this parable he goes right on to speak right into the next parable which talks about how we are to serve humanity how we how we are to uh, love those around us this is where it's found about you know for you when i was hungry you gave me food when i was in prison you visited me so right smack dab in the middle of that before that comes is this is parable of the talents um, And so um, I think that what this parable really is narrowing down and teaching us about is how we are to live before Christ comes back, how we are to live while we wait for the King of Kings to come back again for a broken humanity, what we are to do during that time. See, some people see salvation or their relationship with Jesus Christ like a bus ticket, and they live as if it doesn't matter what we do while we wait for the bus. But what I want to say today is what we do while we wait for our king's return is incredibly important. What we do with the gifts and the talents that he has placed in our lives, what we do with the abilities that he has extended to each and every one of us is incredibly important. So I want to start off by actually just reading the whole parable, and then I want to break it down a little bit for you. It's found in Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. You can follow behind on the screen with me there. It says, For the kingdom of God is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each, according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have um, have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said, well done, you good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of of your Lord. And he who had also received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, here I have gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, um, there you have what is yours but his lord answered him and said you wicked and lazy servant you knew that i would reap where i have not sown and gather where i have not scattered seed so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming i would have received back my own with interest therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents for everyone for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance but for him who does not have even what he has will be taken away and cast unprofitable servant into the outer darkness there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and so As we begin with this parable, I want to just break down what God is really trying to communicate. And I want to draw to six quick lessons that we can learn from this passage. The first thing I want to talk about is how God calls us his own. Verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered goods to them. Sometimes we forget to look at those little details, but it wasn't just that he called some servants together and said, Hey, you look like you're fairly capable, I'm just going to give you some stuff but he said he called his own there's an ownership that Jesus has when he looks at you and he looks at me and he says you are my own I love you and I trust you and I am investing in you because I know that you can do great things with my help I give you everything that you need but you need to know that you are mine his own in the the original language Greek actually talks about being separated being set apart for something just like in the Old Testament we read about how the Israelites in in uh, their whole, all their journeys, God always called them the set apart ones, the called out ones, the people that He had separated for Himself. In the New Testament, He speaks that way of the Bride of Christ, and He says, "You are Mine, you are My own, and you are My people—not just some random people, but people that God loves. He has a relentless love, like we were saying this morning. There's no way to know just how far He would go to tell us how much." He loves us. Um, Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. The first thing you need to know this morning is that when God looks at you, he looks at you and he says, you are mine. You are mine, and I have loved you with an everlasting love because you belong to me. You're mine. When we understand who we belong to, we actually don't have to be gripped by fear. We see a contrast in this parable between the people that understood their relationship with their master versus the guy who couldn't quite understand what the character of the master was truly like. And so when we see that when we understand who we belong to, we realize that we don't have to be gripped by fear and we don't have to act or respond out of fear. It's far more important for us to know who we belong to than how many things we can do. And maybe you feel like you don't belong to him. Maybe you haven't had that experience yet where Christ has become personal to you and he has become per- you have become personal to him. And perhaps you have lived your life and you look at this parable, and you go, well, I don't really have any gifts. I don't really have any abilities. I don't really have any talents. Can I challenge you that when you get to know Christ, something actually awakens in your heart because there's something that has been dormant, something that has been sleeping, that part of knowing who you belong to, that part of knowing who you are in him and it's no longer like Paul said I who live but Christ in me and so I can guarantee you that if you belong to Christ if you don't then here's your chance today is your day where he wants to form a personal relationship and say I have called you by name you are mine but when you enter into that kind of relationship then you realize that you do have something to give you do have something to offer because God wants to awaken that inside of you The second thing that we learn from this talent is that each person had at least one talent. It says in verse 15, And to one he gave five, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own talent. Ability and then he went away a talent now It's kind of unfortunate because as soon as we hear the word talent in English we think of an ability or or a Talent that someone has they're either talented or or they're not but a talent in Bible times was actually a measure of money usually of silver or gold and one talent of gold was 200 pounds of gold So um, just to put in perspective what these servants were given, 200 pounds of gold was one talent. So there was one, you do the math, one of them was given 1,000 pounds of gold, just like that. And then he went away with total, complete trust, thinking that the servant was going to do the right thing with that. And I think that when we look at what that represents, I think it represents the fact that we have a generous God. We have a God who loves us so much that he wants to entrust us with the true riches, not just earthly riches, but with the true riches of heaven. Because he knows that if he can invest in us and we can invest in others, he can extend his love, even into the darkest places, into the most unreachable places, because he needs you to be there. Sometimes we look at other people and we go, well, you know, they are so talented, or they have these giftings, so they have these abilities. And we sit back and we think, someone else can do it. Someone else is better than me. Can Someone else can speak better than me. Someone else can, can sing better than me. Someone else can write better than me. Someone else can, you fill in the blank. But I think what this parable right off the bat represents is he's given something to each and every person because he knows that you have something inside of you. It's like a deposit that he puts inside your heart and he says, now you go and you do something with that deposit. We have a generous God. He doesn't withhold gifts. He loves to shower his kids with gifts. But there's another really important thing here. It says that he gave each according to to their own ability. It doesn't say that He gave them according to their importance or according to their significance. It says, simply, He gave them each according to their ability. How many have ever felt slightly jealous of someone else's abilities? Okay, you can, you can do like the I-nod if, you're, if you're, you know that one. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that goes for everybody, right? But can I say that it is time that the church of Jesus Christ stops comparing themselves with everybody else. It's time that churches stop comparing themselves to other churches and trying to be like someone else because God has put an identity and a calling and a purpose in each church, in each community, in each individual. And God wants you to be you the way he created you. God made you special because he wanted you to be special. Not that kind of you know, special. Um, but special because you are his. He took such care and such detail. When he sat down and he created you, that he made you unique, even down to your fingerprints and how many hairs are on your head. Easier to count on some than others, and I'm not gonna look in any particular um direction right there. Um oh and I'm looking at Alice <laughs> I'm just gonna um I'm just gonna like back my way out of this point. Let's forget about the hair comment. Can we erase that? Um, yeah, yeah. That was that was not in my note. I should not have ad-libbed. Um, so, um, but there's forgiveness in the house, right? So this is good. You have to forgive me. It's biblical. So. But, But what God is saying is that He created you with your personality, with even your little quirks, and with your way of thinking and reasoning, with your giftings, with your abilities, not because you are more or less important than the person sitting next to you, but because God loves diversity. He loves to make you unique because you can reach into the world that you are in that I can't reach into, and I can reach people that you can't reach. And God's purpose in creating us so beautifully diverse It's because he loves it that way. And so when he gave you your talent, your 200 pounds of gold, at least, he said, I'm depositing something inside of you because I made you right the way you are. And so we need to realize that if we can just stop comparing ourselves with all these other people, I remember growing up and I'd always wanted to play the piano, we couldn't afford a piano, so someone gave us an old organ and I started plunking away at it because I figured it's close enough, um, and so I started playing it and, and um, did all these things and I, I just really always wanted to play the piano, so it took a while before we could actually kind of get one, um, and I kind of was self-taught and I, I just wanted to learn, but in the... In this season, I got to know a really, good, sorry, a really good friend of mine. He's a fantastic worship leader, awesome piano player, can read, well, he can lead piano from any instrument, really. Uh, Cameron can attest to that. <laughs> um, but he is a fabulous piano player. And so I would sing with him. Uh, we uh, did some different things in conferences and seminars. And so I would just always worship. And one day he said, okay, well, now you play. And I'm like, <laughs> No. Not going to happen. Uh, he's like, no, no, really, let's switch off and you play and I'll just sing. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, let me be real clear, no. Right? Because I can say at that time I really wasn't very good. I'm not quite sure what he saw in me at that point. But he said, no, I know God has placed a passion in there. Now, I really wasn't very good, I can attest to that. At this time I really was not good. But, but he said, no, I, I know it's in there and you just got to take the step. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take the step when you're not around. Uh, right because i was horribly terrified of playing in front of this guy now it wasn't his problem it was mine but can i say so many people live like that because they see somebody else that's going to be better than you and so you go well i can't do it because it's like we joke about this i can sort of manage somewhat a guitar but i'm like but not when there's guitar players in the room (laughs) right because we have can i be honest and say we all have insecurities Where we're like, well, I don't want people to see my, what if I mess up? What if I, you know, and we start getting all worked up. And I think God is sitting up there going, honey, you just got to start somewhere. Now, long story short for me, I broke out of my fears and started playing and started worshiping and started leading. And now I'm in a whole different place than I was then. But it wasn't always like that. I had to battle through my own insecurities, my own fears of failure, my own fears. And on top of that, can I tell you what happened the very first time I ever led worship from the piano? Do you really want to know? Yes. Okay, here comes the Ramy. I was playing the old song back in the day, you know, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. It's got three chords. Like it's really not that hard, actually four. Um, But I had decided that I was gonna play without music. That was a really good idea. I was leading it was in a Pentecostal church quite large I was sitting at this beautiful grand piano the whole church is singing and in the middle of the song I'm drawing a complete brain freeze those cramps you get in your brain when you are nervous and you are fearful and I forget what key I'm playing in So the church is beautifully like hallelujah and I'm like hallelujah and I'm like, ah, and I'm like, it's, I'm like oh let's keep singing just cappella and I'm like, whoa, where is it? I can't even turn the volume down because it's an actual grand piano. And I'm, I'm like, whore, it took me till the end of the song and the church was like, oh, we love her, let's keep singing, you know. And so in the end, they kept singing this whole song and I'm like, I think it was the last chord. I was like, ah, <laughs> I was playing in the key of F, right. Um, and so I got the last chord in, that was good. But can I be really honest and say, we don't come out perfect. We don't, we don't learn unless we try Sometimes we're so afraid of failure, we're so afraid of doing something wrong that we actually never try. But can I say, if you never try, if all you learn is from someone else's mistakes only, you actually never learn something. So can I say, when God sees you, he sees a person full of potential. He sees a person that has no limits. He sees a person that he has taken such care to sit and create. He says, before, I, before you were even in your mother's womb, I formed you and I knitted you together. It's talking about this tapestry, this woven together thing. He sat and he actually sat there and decided we need this thread and we need that thread so that we can weave you together to this beautiful creation because you are amazing. Can I tell you this morning, you have a deposit inside of you. Maybe you feel like you don't. Maybe you feel like you have nothing to offer. Maybe you're, you're just battling your own insecurities because there's... Can I say there's always someone that's better? Yeah. So let's just get over it. And let's realize that it doesn't matter who we think is better or worse. What matters is that we do something with what God has placed inside of us to do. That's all he asks for. So can I say, it's time that we stop comparing ourselves with others. Can I tell you, it does no good. Now, to have role models, that's an awesome thing. That you look up to in a healthy way, that's an awesome thing. But if looking up at other people makes you paralyzed in your own fears, then you need to rethink who you are in Christ. Because who you are in Christ is a wonderful creation. Who you are in Christ is someone with gifts and talents and abilities. And you may think that you have nothing to give, but I promise you, that if you know Jesus Christ, then you have a deposit inside of you and he wants to use you. See, there's no one that has no talent. There's no one that doesn't have something to give. It can be time, it can be, it can be a, an actual talent you have, it can, be, it can be your treasure, it can be your way of investing, it can be your way of listening, it can be whatever it is, but God has placed something on the inside of you think about it this way when I when I give gifts to my kids I don't just always give them all the same gift makes so much sense right because they're different there are different ages genders and they have different interests and and they like different things so when I as a parent want to give something that's meaningful to my kids I give something that's special to them well God's a parent When he looks at you, he goes, I know you, I know your makeup, I know your personality, I know your fears, and I know just how to overcome them. And so just like a natural parent loves to shower their kids with gifts that are meaningful to them, same thing with our Heavenly Father. Number three is this, we're stewards of his gifts, not the creator's. We don't create the gift that God gives us, we just get to steward it and take care of it. So in other words, what each person has is a gift from God. It's given by God, through God, and for God. James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. His gifts are all good, not to be valued one over the other. And when we can rest in that fact that every good and perfect gift comes from the same giver, from the same source. Not to say that one person is more important than the other, but to say that one person is unique from one another. And God has placed it that way, it's all from him. And when we rest in that fact, that every good and perfect gift comes from God, we can stop competing, competing, (laughs) and feeling inadequate was my next word, but we can stop competing too. (laughs) New Word by Sandra Jeffs. It's on my website, sandrasbloopers.com. But verse 20 and 22 says, um, it talks about how those who received five talents and then the person who received two talents, what they did is they both took what they were given and they invested what they had. And they came back. The one that had five came back with five more. The one with two came back with two more. What percentage of return is that? Does anybody know? We have queen students in the room. A hundred percent. Thank you very much. It's a hundred percent return. It is a hundred percent return. So can I say God is actually not interested in how many things you do. He's interested in what you do with what you have. Because the return is always the same. If you have a gazillion gifts if you have one gift if you do something with what you're given and you come back to him and it says and you say to him lord i've done what i can with what you've given me i've done what i can with what i have then what you get is you get a 100% return regardless of how many things you have but can i say so many people get stuck absolutely stuck because they think because I don't have what you fill in the blank what so-and-so has before I because I can't do what they can do they get absolutely stuck and they actually get paralyzed often with fear and they stop doing anything and everything but can I say this morning God is not interested in how many balls you can keep up in the air Jolene's testimony this morning was amazing because it doesn't matter how much you achieve in the world it doesn't matter how fast you run what he's looking for is he wants your heart and because I know her story, I know that's what made the difference. I know that that was what stopped her in her tracks. And when she invited Jesus into her life, thing everything changed. When you walk into the room and sing this song, everything changes. Because we're no longer running with no purpose. We're no longer running just to achieve more gift. And if I'm good enough, God, maybe you will give me more so that I will look better, so that I will feel better. But can I say, if you don't have this right, if you're not resting in the knowledge of that you are his and you belong to him, he's called you by name and you are his. If you're not resting in that knowledge, then doing more will only cause you to get tired, exhausted, even if you're doing all the good things out there, even God kind of things but we need to rest first and foremost in our relationship with our master. Jesus himself endured the cross. Hebrews 12 too, it's not in there, but it says, for the joy set before him. These um, two servants that we're talking about in this parable that came back with the five more and the two more, the reward was actually that come into the joy of our master. It was because of the joy set before them that they actually did anything with the gifts that they had. If I can say it this way, we are stewards of his gifts, but they were not ours to begin with, and they're not ours to keep for our benefit. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each one has received a gift, minister it, to one another as good stewards of the manifold wisdom and grace, sorry, of God. See, God gives us gifts because, you know, it's like that gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> but in a good sense. God wants us to keep giving what He gives us. And as we do, you're gonna see that He multiplies it and He gives us more and He entrusts us with more. And He wants us to realize that what we receive is not just for us. The fourth thing is this God longs to reward us. When these servants came in, these are some of the most quoted words in Scripture right here. When these servants came back and said, Lord, I've taken what you gave me, I've done what I can, and here is what is yours. First and foremost, they recognized that it wasn't theirs to keep. They recognized that it was to give back to him. Can I say it this way? The stewards weren't actually, or the servants were actually not even interested in the prophet. Nowhere does it say, could I keep a portion of that? They actually took now 2,000 pounds of gold and they just dumped it right back in his lap and said, Here you go. Because they realized they never owned it in the first place. It was a gift to be returned to him. So, can I say, many people in our world today live for profit? And we're called to live not for profit. Do you know what I'm saying? As Christians, it's not about me. It's not about what I can gain, what I can do, how I can feel. It is actually about what God can do through me, how I can make someone else feel about Him, how His love can be communicated through me to those around me. See, our benefits are far more than just stuff. Our benefits are far greater than just um, profit. It's like when Cameron was in social work. Uh, For those of you who are in social work, you know that um, the pay is usually not tremendous. But they tell you, and they did with Cameron, and they will tell you something like this, you know where I'm going, they say something like this, well, uh, we kind of apologize for the pay, but there's other benefits. Um, So if you've ever been in social work, you know kind of how that goes. But can I say, when we work for Jesus, it's not so that we can gain more, so that we can be more important, so that we can have more. It is for something that is so much greater. We have other benefits. We have the benefit of relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, with the God of heaven who is on your side, who wants to use you. He wants to mold you. He wants to shape you. He wants to fill you till the overflow so that you can keep giving. That is what our joy is all about, and our reward is all about. But when these servants came, these are the words that the master said to them, well done, you good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler, over many things, enter into the joy of your Lord. Notice that his ultimate reward is actually not just stuff. It wasn't money, it wasn't the talents. His ultimate reward is saying, you were created for relationship, you were created for intimacy, now you come in. Your reward is to come in freely into my presence, into the joy of your master where we can have everlasting relationship. Can I say that is our greatest reward? But if you observe this, the returns were in proportion to the receiving that they got. Each of them had a 100% return, but the rewards were in the proportion to the results. So the rewards were given not because, so the one that earned more didn't get more. The rewards were proportionate to the very result that they had, with that they had given what they could and both had the same return. See, the master measures success in degrees of efforts, not by amounts. Can I say this? A talent is useless unless it's used. Talent is useless unless it's used because it's not going to do anything. But with God, every talent, every gift, every ability, every investment becomes absolutely exponential and limitless because with God, there's no limits to what he can do with a surrendered heart. But look at what happens with this, steward, with this um, master. First, he commends these stewards. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you know what that word faithful actually means? One who trusts God for his promises. That's a pretty awesome word, well done, you good and faithful servant, you trusted God for his promises. They were not even told what the reward would be, but they trusted God for their promises. Secondly, he awards them, he takes them from being over in charge over a few things to over many things, and lastly, and of course, taking them into his presence, but lastly, he showers them with abundance uh, in verse twenty eight says of the of the uh, servant that hadn't done anything it says therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents for everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance but from him who does not have What he has will be taken away. That word for abundance is the same word used in John 10.10 when Jesus says that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. So what he's saying is that if you take what God has given you, invest it to the best of your ability with God's help, he is not only going to reward you, he is not only going to draw you close to himself, but he is going to shower you with abundance. But can I say so many times, we allow the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives by telling us that we are not good enough, that we don't have enough, that we don't, can't do enough, and that we are not enough. But can I tell you today, Jesus wants to come in and deposit something inside of you that is so unstoppable, so incredible, that he is going to shower you with his faith, his abundance, his love. Fifth thing is this, our attitude affects our effort. Verse 24 says that he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, here you have what is yours. That word afraid is the Greek word phobio. He was paralyzed with fear. He, he couldn't bring himself to do something, he was seized with alarm. And it says that he went to hide. It actually means to dig down deep and conceal something. Can I say that fear and the enemy will come and try to make you push down whatever that deposit is inside of you and say, don't you think you are anything? Don't think that you can do anything. Don't think that God can use you. Why don't you just hide it? Why don't you just push it down deep? Why don't you conceal it? But can I say... Jesus wants you to trust him. See, this servant took it for granted, thought it wouldn't be a big deal to bury this treasure. And I think it wasn't so much about wasting his master's money as it was about wasting an opportunity. Because the master was rich. Even if he took a loss, it wasn't that big of a loss to him. But it was the opportunity. Can I say this? This servant had the attitude of a slave, not of a son. And that's where most of us get gripped and seized with fear, when we do not recognize that we are his. Actually, when this servant talks about his master, there's an equivalent description used in the Old Testament. And it was of the Israelites when they described Pharaoh, and they said he is a hard taskmaster, and he wants us to make bricks, and he doesn't any longer i don't know if you know story. the story, the Pharaoh would um, have the Israelites as slaves and he would have them make this many bricks every day. And then he took away all the supplies and he says, you still have to produce the same amount of bricks. And they said, you are a hard taskmaster. It's actually the equivalent Greek word that this guy is using when he's saying, master, I knew you to be a harsh man, a hard man. See, his mindset is wrong. If our mindset is wrong, it affects our ability to do things. So we need to recognize and realize that you are His. God is not standing over you with a whip going, come on, do more, work more, work harder, do more. He's standing over there and He wants to pour out His love because first and foremost, He just wants a relationship with you. And as you form a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, then He starts to pour out so many blessings and so much love and so much peace and so much joy and all that fruit of the Spirit that we talked about this morning, that you can't actually help but to give out to those around you. And then it becomes effortless. It doesn't become something where you're striving and comparing and and chasing after something that is never enough with Christ it's actually an incredibly if I can say effortless thing to serve him when you have the right attitude and when you know that it's not about you see the third sermon thought all about what the master would want him to do but the master thought about who he wanted him to be. That's the difference. Our response to the gift accepts oh, sorry, affects our relationship with the giver. The way we respond to our gift directly affects our relationship with the giver. God's heart is never to separate, his heart is to restore. But there comes a moment where we realize that if I don't do what God has created me to do, there's frustration, and there's separation. See, Jesus spoke this warning to us because he didn't want us to come to the end of our time and go, whew, I should have. I wish I could have. He wants you to recognize that here and now he has placed something inside of you. The key is not the talent or the measure of the gift. The key is how we view God. When we approach him and accept his love for us, then our natural response is to use what he's given us, to draw closer to him. But when we approach him out of fear as a slave, then we don't see what he's put right in front of us. And the last thing is this, God always equips us for the task. He always equips us for the task. He always gives us everything that we need to do what He has called us to do. See, many Christians feel drained and and fearful because they're trying to do things that God never called them to do because they compare themselves with others. And if I could just be like that, then perhaps... I could feel good. Perhaps God would love me more. Perhaps I would feel like I have a place in the world. But can I say this morning, if you walk away with one thing, you need to know that you have already been given everything that you need to have the kind of life that God wants you to have because the deposit has already been made. It's inside of you, and you just need to have the right view of the giver. And when you do, he can use you incredible ways Ephesians 2 10 says for we are God's handiwork we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do did you realize that God has actually prepared good works for you and when you tap into them it can become an incredible thing you should see Lisa around the time of our outreaches she's like Woo! she comes alive and even you know that wonderful picture that we had up there of her laying on the floor that was Lisa going I'm not gonna miss it I'm sick I'm tired I can barely stand up and I'm gonna let Sandra put up a totally non-flattering picture of me, but I'm not going to miss it because she comes alive. She, there's something inside of her that just stirs because God created her to reach others with the love of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that when you realize that what God has given to you is for you to use, then you start to see that God will give you everything. He already did give you everything you need to accomplish the task that he set before you. So in conclusion, I just want to share one story that I came across, not story, but verse that I came across, and I've never seen the correlation until this week. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 9, I, I came across this and realized that this is actually the same story as Matthew chapter 25. I never saw it before. It talks about how Jesus, right before his ascension, it says that he gathers his disciples his servants to him and if you follow the conversation that happens here Jesus actually comes to them and he says I'm about to go away I'm gonna travel to a distant country I'm leaving very soon like at the end of that sentence pretty much and he says but I want to prepare you for something when I go I'm handing you the baton and tag you're it now do what you can with what I've given you until I come back and when I come back we'll settle accounts it's actually the same story listen to this in verse 6 then they gathered around him and asked lord are you going are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of israel and he said to them it's not for you to know the times and the dates you won't know when i come back that's what he's saying set by the father by his own authority but listen to this verse 8 but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you did you know that the word power there is the word dunamis dynamite you shall receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the rest of the world. So in other words, start in your sphere of influence and then work your way out. What I found so interesting when I studied this week is that in Matthew chapter 25, in the first verse, it says he gave each according to their ability. Can anyone take a wild guess at what the word ability is? Dunamis. I have given you the dunamis that you need not just to reach your own little sphere of influence, but to actually go into the world and turn the world upside down, as we saw from 12 disciples that were gathered in this moment. He actually finishes this sentence and he says, um, and after he said said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sights. Literally in this moment, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the dunamis power so that you can do what you were created to do. For anyone who says, I don't know what my talent is, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what my purpose is. Can I say, your purpose is to tap into the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, is to tap into the very power of God so that you can reach your world and turn it upside down for Jesus Christ. So don't ever sit back. Don't ever sit back and think, I have nothing to offer. Because the last thing Jesus ever said on this earth was, you shall receive the dunamis power of God to accomplish my purpose on earth. It's the same story. And it's so interesting because when we see that that's what the gift is, is the power of God, we realize that it's not about the size of the gift as much as it is about the response to that gift. We, will you allow God to deposit today the dunamis of the Holy Spirit to be who He created you to be so that you can do what He created you to do. In the end, it's all about, we say here, live, li- live like Jesus and love like Jesus. But when we realize it's not about how many things I have in my life that help me do that, the task is still the same. So whether I have many gifts or talents, or few. It doesn't matter because the purpose is still the same. It's to love him and know him and make him known. And when we realize that, we shift our focus from our fear to faith in the one who gave us the gift. Why not you? Why not here? Why not now?